0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Welcome to New Books in Italian Studies, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm Kate Driscoll, your host. Today's book conversation has in some ways been in the works for almost a decade now. I'm delighted to be joined today by my friend and truly exceptional colleague, Corrado Confalonieri, the author of the recent and excellent study in Italian titled Trocato Tasso e il Desiderio di Unità, La Gerusalemme Liberata e una Nuova Teoria dell'Epica, or in English, Tasso and the Desire for Unity, Jerusalem Delivered and a New Theory of the Epic, published with Carocci Press in 2022. Dr. Confalonieri is Assistant Professor in Italian Literature at the Università di Parma in Italy. His main areas of expertise are the Italian Renaissance, 20th century Italian literature, intertextuality, and literary theory. After teaching as a visiting assistant professor of Italian at Wesleyan University, he held the Laura De Bosses postdoctoral fellowship at Harvard University, the institution where he earned one of two doctoral degrees, a Ph.D. in Romance Languages and Literatures awarded in 2019 and a Dottorato in Italian Literature and the History of Italian Language from the University of Padua in 2014. Dr. Confalonieri is the author of many books. His first title, Satura, Titoli di un titolo, Montale dal recto al verso, Nel segno dei classici, was published in 2012. In 2013, he edited a multidisciplinary book on pedagogy, Il mestiere dell'insegnante, with Alessandro Musetti. And in 2018, an anthology co-edited with Joan Cavallo of works co-edited co-ed- I'm sorry, of works by the Italian Renaissance poet Matteo Mirio Boiardo, who shaped much of the questions that we'll be discussing today. In addition to publishing "Torquato Tasso e il Desiderio di Unità in 2022, Dr. Confugnieri published another book just last year titled Queste Spaziose Logge, Architettura e Poetica Nella tragedia Italiana del Cinquecento with the Neapolitan Publishing House Luffredo. So, Corrado, to say that you have had a productive and exciting 2022 is, I think, an understatement. So, congratulations on these many publishing successes, and of course, welcome to the Italian Studies New Books channel.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Kate, for uh, your presentation. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here, and uh, uh, I look forward to speaking about Tasso with you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> absolutely right and i'm glad you said that because you know i said in the introduction that uh this our conversation um has i think been been in, in the works for about a decade whenever you and i get the chance to see each other either in person or of course more recently online we often recall how the two of us met. It was 2014, we were touring graduate schools after our letters of acceptance had come in, and you and I got to be in the same campus visit at two universities, uh, one in Baltimore and one in Cambridge. And what connected us instantly then, as I think, you know, still doing today and hopefully will throughout our careers, is our passion for all things Torquato Tasso, his work as an author, um, his his labor as a reader, and his thoughts as a critic. So I'd love it if you could, as a, as a kind of preface for us to get into the book on Tasso, if you could just turn the clock backwards some, whether to 2014 when we met or, of course, uh, far earlier, and give us a general idea of just how literature has been part of your life and how it's interested you over the years and what about your personal experience growing up in Italy um, brought you to the kinds of research questions that you ask in your in your book.
2: Okay. So, yes, I'm very glad you uh, remembered uh, our first uh, meeting, I think, in Baltimore, in, uh, in Cambridge, actually, in Baltimore. It was a couple of weeks later in 2014. I'm very fond of that memory, too. Um actually, the book that um, we will be discussing today, uh, in a way, was uh, um, was born uh, earlier than that. I, I started to work on that um, in 2010, uh, immediately after graduating at the Laurea Specialistica, which is the MA equivalent um, at the University of Parma. At the time, I was looking for a, a project to... For my, my PhD, the, the first PhD I completed then in the, the University of Padova. And uh, even then, Tasso had uh, already um, come in a way into my uh, my life. I, I remember very well the first time I read the whole poem, the Josiah Liberata. It was actually, I think, uh, 2006 during the summer. It was not related to. Any course that I took, but um, I, I, I had some free time and I don't remember exactly the reason why something brought me to the, the Zeruzame Liberata. Um, for sure, I had already, at high school, an interest uh, in the the epic, the epic poem, a background in in classics, I studied Greek and Latin. And so, um, poems like the Iliad, the Aeneid had uh, always been there. And when I had the chance to study literature, uh, after a couple of years uh, that I spent studying law uh, after high school, I wanted to re- re- dig into the, the um, probably the, one of the two genres, together with tragedy, that struck me at the very beginning of my interest in, in literature. Um, so, epic and tragedy. I read the Liberata, and uh, starting from two thousand six, I always I've always thought about that. So, in a way, worked on that on the poem for the first time for my BA thesis, and then went back to that. Uh, with a more um m- more uh w- a way wider um wider uh, project for p h d and uh it took a long time to complete the book and uh i'm glad that now we have a team frame
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a very it's, it's a very tasso s story that everything everything comes it's together the in unity. the end <laughs> yeah. all the unity of all this variety yeah, but yeah. um no I, I I so admire that story um I think tasso is similar to my own trajectory of just being part of the ma process and then the phd and of course now still today um yeah. so so um so it's it's interesting to hear that, you know, epic and tragedy have always interested you. And then Tasso fits into this, of course, um, being a a poet of of both of those um, categories uh, of genres. So I want to just maybe start by by thinking about in in the introduction to your book, Um, you provide in some ways a lens into how these histories of categories that have surrounded epic have in some ways also defined it by way of contrast. And you spell out this history whereby different thinkers say, well, if what epic is must be what tragedy is not. And this is one formulation that gets retranslated in the 16th century a little bit differently. Um, what romance is, is now what epic must be not. And of course, readers of your book will certainly learn that there's uh, much to be nuanced behind these abstract sets of contrast that oftentimes really dissolve once we actually start reading the poetry or we experience drama. And your study shows, I think, quite lucidly how much room there is for the blurred lines in these moments of really keen ambiguity. And um, that lie behind the principles that might overreach or might try to overprescribe um, in their definition of genres, so let's say. Um, so if we can just expand on this question of, of both contrast and oppositions, can you share with us um, why thinking through genre theory and bo- in terms of both the defining features that give shape to a genre and those that oppose them was a kind of useful way for you to set up the structure of the book right at the introduction? <laughs>
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so um, before, in a way, before uh, answering to your your question, I I go back for a um, you know, for a moment to to my first uh, answer, and um, uh, I, I focused on Tasso, and I left out uh, uh, an interest um, uh, in. Uh, um, literary theory that came uh, during the, my MA my laurea specialistica again not directly related to courses that I took but to uh, more like philosophical readings that I was uh, doing back then and I remember very well um I i just mention this because it, it, it. I think it is closely related to uh, what you were asking uh, now in terms of uh, contrasts between um, different genres. I remember that um, at the beginning of my project, together with the, way, repeated and continuous reading and thinking of the Liberata, I read um, some... Very important uh, essays on, about literary genre and literary theory. Uh, among them, uh, epic and novel by Bakhtin, Mikhail Bakhtin. One of the essays that I think many of our uh, listeners know because it's one of the essays that you really read for for many reasons, and that, that have been very important for. Um, not only for the epic, but for the theory of novel, and so on. So I remember I read the essay, and um, another um, a name that I wanted to um, to bring up now is the name of uh, Jacques Derrida. Um, I was very uh, keen of deconstruction the uh, back then, and when I read um, Michael Bakhtin's uh, epic and novel, I, I thought it, would have been important to do something. It, it was even a, a naive. I realize now, um, a, a, a naive approach in a way to, to, to the um, to the essay. But I wanted to do something like a deconstruction of the opposition between epic and novel, and uh, I was thinking of Tasso together to this uh, this question. And uh, and so um, I started to. Think of the um, of the um, in a way the history of readings of the Giuseppe Liberata um, from the point of view of the contrast between epica and romanzo in Italian. Uh, we will um, be talking, I think, uh, later on about that and uh, the, the, the fact that the Italian romanzo um, Includes both uh, the uh, English novel and the English romance, so uh, I started to think about uh, epi- epic and novel epic romanzo, Jerusalem uh, Liberata, and I realized that this uh, contrast, this opposition, um, played a role. Uh, Plays a role now uh, and has played a role in the recent history of the readings of the Giuseppe Liberata*. But it played a role in 16th century um, when the romance was the romance, not 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 of the novel. And in the in the 16th century, uh, you said very correctly that um, the, the theory of the epic in Aristotle is uh, in a way comes uh, from the from his theory of tragedy. But this contrast was still there in the 16th century. So it's a very complex moment of literary theory in which you have um, the literati, scholars, poets in the 16th century that tries to, in a way, create a new theory of the uh, romance in contrast to the epic, but also to uh, make the contrast between epic and tragedy, which is um, already in Aristotle more Clear in a way because it's not entirely clear in the poetics, and so I, I, this is the, the very beginning of the project, and then it it became in a way it gave a structure to the to the book that is organized in chapters that uh, uh, deal with theory, and then a reading of the Liberata. <laughs>
1: right right and and i and i really admire the structure too because on the one hand um your what 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 emerges in the book as this really agile methodology is one that thinks about the history of these categorizations and the histories of oppositions but always in relation to um, the resurfacing of continuities and so aristotle and horace will play major roles for this for this narrative and of course that's what the um your first major chapter is devoted to so Uh, For listeners, you know, in Corrado's book, we're spanning so much time and so much material that's really united with a really, really um, careful thread of analysis that traces from classical antiquity through Renaissance Italy and into the evolving genre theories, as mentioned um, in... In Derrida uh, and in Bakhtin, but also Hegel and Lukács are other important interlocutors for you. So this is why I, I'm I'm interested that this becomes also a history about the continuity and reception. And 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 I was struck then by reading your analysis in the first chapter on Aristotle and Horace. And so I think in order to set up the kinds of questions that we'll be getting to in a few minutes, it could be useful to just provide a kind of broad summary of of what Aristotle and Horace meant for this 16th century phenomenon in Italy whereby as you mentioned these literati these these readers thinkers and writers kind of all come together and start really grappling with what to do with a genre that didn't exist in in Aristotle's time romance and how do you fit Aristotle and Horace's principles into this this explosion of 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 definition of re- de- de- redefinition of genres
2: yes um, so you 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 mentioned the um, epic, the continuity about the epic and the theory of the epic and what um, gives continuity to this uh, history of theories of the epic is, I think, the concept of unity, which uh, has has always uh, been there from the very beginning of the, uh, the thinking and the theory of the epic in Aristotle. And, and then it became, a, 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 I think, the, the most important, or one of the most important concepts in the 16th century when the genre was um, uh, theorized in a way, in in um, in, um, in some even new ways, uh, in opposition to the romance. And then again, uh, later on, with Ege, Luca, Lukacek and and bakhtin that um, we will be um, i think in, in discussing later so um, uh, the, the, uh, aristotle and horace um, uh, aristotle in a way it's uh, uh, and i would even use the word natural beginning of the of this uh, this history of the theory of the epic is the first text uh, the, the poetics is the the, uh, the the foundation of the theory of the epic and it became uh, an, an, an important, uh, um, the most important uh, text at the beginning of the 16th century, because the, the poetics, after being, in a way, um, forgotten, was rediscovered, so to speak, the um, um, Published in in into Greek and then translated into Latin and then in, even into Italian with more many commentaries both in Latin and Italian that um, poets scholars the, the the literati used in sixteenth century to make sense of um, the the. The, the kind of poems that were uh, written at the time, um, not only the poems that Aristotle, as you said, Aristotle uh, already New, like the Iliad and 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 the tragedy on the other but also the, the poems, uh, new poems that were written um, in a, in a way not taking into account uh, the theories of Aristotle, uh, such as um, the, the most important case for Italian literature, the Orlando Furioso. So it's a very interesting moment in in literary uh, history and theory because on the one hand we have um, poems written uh, um, in, uh, I would say, in happy ignorance of the theories of Aristotle, like the Orlando Furioso. Ariosto, uh, we we, we can be pretty sure that Ariosto did not read uh, the the, um, poetics by Aristotle. He knew for sure of Horace, that here is the question of putting together Horace and Aristotle um, the Horace Ars Poetica in a way was never lost um, While uh, when I talked about uh, the, the Aristotle's Poetics I said it was forgotten and then rediscovered so it's important to read uh, to um, in a way um, go back to the point of view of people in 16th century that had been familiar with uh, theories uh, by Horace and then read Aristotle, in a way, in an uh, anachronistic way, in light of Horace and put uh, these materials together. So I would say on the one hand, we have the Orlando Furioso, the reception of the the Orlando Furioso, the early uh, reception, even the success, the great success of the Orlando Furioso. And on the other hand, we have uh, these theories uh, that came from from the classics that... um, uh, Keep, scholars used to make sense of these uh, new poems, and it's it's a very um, even complicated debate. That uh, it's um, thinking of Tasso, it's at the origin of the uh, of, of of the Jerusalem Liberata. Tasso was part of this debate as a young poet and scholars, and from this uh, problems of having on on both. Having to take into account both the reception of Aristotle, the rediscovery of the poetics, and the success of a new uh, genre, um, he started to think of the theory and then of the possibility of a poem that at the very end um, allowed him, in a way, to, to write this. Uh, in, 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 this incredibly um, even smart poem that keeps together different traditions. So this is the, 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 the reason why we have to anyway, go back to Aristotle, but uh, put it into the context of 16th century um, Italian
1: literature, uh, no, absolutely. And and Tasso was, I think, constantly, you use that term, that happy ignorance that described that moment when Ariosto just got to write a poem that he really, you know, you got to fly to the moon with this with this really incredible, um, incredible poem. And as you mentioned, I mean, its wide success um, really affected Tasso at the same moment and thinking through, what, you know, what does Aristotle mean for for Tasso? It's it's fundamental to keep in mind what Ariosto meant. And, you know, I mean, we can also come back to, you know, what it meant for his, father to have written a poem that didn't have all the great success, um, to have been around other 16th century examples that just, uh, just doesn't, didn't, didn't reach the height, let's say, of success of, of Ariosto. So, so Tasso was really just concerned about this readership always, and then whether or not his readers were happy. So I, I want to come back to that question, but, um, because we're because we're on an audio track right now let's let's chat about this difference then between romance and novel um because at a certain point in the book and and elsewhere as i've heard you talking about um your the, the, uh, this recent publication you've mentioned the significance of reading Carlo Ginsberg's essay on le nostre parole e le loro so our words and their words and you've talked a little bit about how this formulation has influenced the questions that you ask in the book uh, precisely in, in terms of you say we have to consider the 16th century moment and we also have to consider the Aristotelian and uh, moment as well as that of Horace. So this seems like it's also kind of a fascinating extension of the idea of oppositions versus continuity. So on the one hand we have our words, on the other hand we have their words. And what language we use to discuss Renaissance poets and their activities and the words they used to describe themselves raises, I think, still this question of translatability um, when we're thinking about these genres that have been part of literary imaginations and repertoire really for millennia. So I think it'd just be helpful um, because this this is such a key difference and and also kind of a continuity between English and Italian. Um, If we could just here you speak a little bit about the issue of translating roman, so translating in terms of um, its meaning and significance in terms of language, but also especially in terms of form uh, between the moments as you're reading. Before we get to the to the sections on Tasso of of really Ariosto through the ideas and reconsiderations of the novel through you know people like Bakhtin. So,
2: yeah, it's um, as, as I said in my uh, as I said earlier um, when I um, I started uh, and and um, uh, I, I wanted to add the, the essay by Bakhtin that I mentioned epic and and, uh, and uh, novel in in Italian is it uh, Epos e romanzo. Um, romanzo, so um, romanzo, uh, when you look at the um, history of readings of the Liberata, you find the word romanzo both in 16th century, uh, like in the, in the uh, debate uh, between uh, those who were for uh, Ariosto and the, the Ariostisti and Tassisti at the, at the very end of, of 16th century uh, there was a debate between uh, scholars who thought that uh, uh, the Orlando Furioso was better than and the Liberata, and, and scholars who prefer Tasso. And so they use the Romanzo. Bactin uh, uses romanzo in the, in in essays, and, and scholars now nowadays uh, um, use uh, epica in Italian, epica and romanzo when they analyze the Jerusalem Liberata. So uh, you have, um, as as in, in, is the case for the term that I mentioned before, unity unita in Italian. You have terms that um, have always been there, but they changed. Uh, I think, meaning in time, uh, both uh, the term romanzo, uh, not only for the, um, yeah, mostly in this case for the reason that romanzo in the 16th century was mo- for scholars in Italy and poets was mostly the genre of the Orlando Furioso. Uh, and 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 now romanzo is romanzo in Italy is uh, referred to the the genre of the novel so the the kind of books that you find when you walk into a bookstore uh, romanzo is romanzo just to mention titles in the Italian literature that are very like. Uh, La coscienza di Zeno, for example, to, to, to mention uh, the 20th century, uh, or even the, the promises posi, the bethoughted. Okay, to, just to mention the, 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 some of the most important uh, romanzi, or, but in this case novels of Italian literature. So um, here um, you have a clear example of the fact that the same word, in a way, uh, includes a different. Objects and 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 uh, for me it's even more important to focus on the word unity uh, because uh, that is referred to epic both in the 16th century and uh, today, but um, th- because of the opposition between epic and romanzo in two different meanings of the term romance and novel, unity itself took different meanings. So in the 16th century, uh, uh, romanzo, romance, the Orlando Furioso, is a genre that has the, 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 there were many definitions. I don't want to reduce to uh, too much or to oversimplify. But uh, uh, um, defining feature of the romanza in the 16th century was the multiplicity. So the the, the multiplicity of actions, many actions. The, if you look at the Orlando Furioso, there are many things that happen in the poem. It's even impossible. At least I admit for me, it would be impossible to summarize what the, the many events, the many actions that happen into the poem. And so the unity of the 16th century is um, uh, that is referred to epic is unity as one action as opposed to many actions of the romance of the unity um, of the epic that scholars today and after, let's say, after Bactin, just to mention again that that important essay, uh, refers to the, uh, the fact that the action of the hero, the epic hero, especially, is complete. is is an action that uh, reaches um, its end, uh, as opposed to the action of the novels that are um, that that has to do with uh, with a world, with a life that is never. Like uh, it can never fully achieve uh, its end. Our life today, the life of people that uh, like, like us, and the, the characters in the novel is um, uh, definitely different from the the um, the the world of the uh, the heroes of the epic. So the uh, the the meaning of um, unity. Uh, changed, and I think if you look at the history of the the readings of the Liberata, but in many cases uh, this uh, applies to uh, epic poems in general, um, there has been some, I would say, confusion between different meanings of the unity. Uh, And so it's important, going back to your question, to have um, a tool that allows us to um and to understand and study the difference between our words and theirs, um, l- l- mentioning Carlo Ginsburg's essays, and um, and to um to uh, way, clarify the meaning of unity, romanzo, we and and other concepts that we use when we read the poems.
1: Mm. That's... That's so helpful to think about, um, especially with with what you said about um, Adioso. And I agree with you. I think it's I think it's very hard to summarize um, Adioso's poem. Is definitively about, you know, insert words here that don't you know uh, exceed more than five. That would be very difficult. Um, so, but but it's interesting that um, you know you said at the very beginning that one of the poems that really shaped your your early thinking about. Um, about tragedy, but especially about epic, really was the Iliad. And I think that what surfaces from a reading in your book is that just as we're discussing how do you um, summarize and arrive conclusively at what the fundamental action is in Ariosto's Orlando Furioso, similar questions have been asked about the Iliad. Um, Is this about Achilles' rage and his ultimate revenge seized upon the death of his um, beloved, you know, Patroclus, or is this the fall of the Trojan? Um, and the, and the and the victory of the Greeks, and and this is this is a question that you raise throughout the book at different, I think, really key moments. That that puts in my mind, at least, um, this question of unity insofar as it exists alongside that of ambiguity. And so, if we could, if we could talk for a minute about how your book, um, indicates that epic might be perceived as as being more stable than romance simply because it's been practiced longer Aristotle had something to say about it that's been theorized longer um that's not to say that it has been stable and um free let's say of any moments of ambiguity and and so as I, as I said you know you you raised this question um with regard to the Iliad throughout and the dual effects that result from Achilles' re- revenge um, seized upon Hector during the Trojan War. And what this means then for both the personal and collective goals that drive that epic um, on the personal level, the uh, Patroclus' murder is now avenged to the to the satisfaction of Achilles and the Greeks who are now able to fight with their strongest opponent slain, they're able to finally claim um, victory over Troy. So, this is fascinating because for all that is essential to a vocabulary used to label epic as a genre of unity in terms of both form and action, ambiguity is present and has been present really from the classical start. And so if you could just say some words about how 16th century theorists grappled with this ambiguity, what did they do with it at the same moment that uh, the Iliad serves as this exemplary poem Um Replete though with with this precise contrast of a of a of an action that has multiple effects, um, and what did this mean then for the 16th century theorists who were using the Iliad to define epic in terms of romance and also romance in terms of epic?
2: Yes, it's um, it's a very important question, and uh, that um, uh, I I kept asking to to myself, and then I found um, why I was. Um, um, doing research for this book, that um, scholars in 16th century uh, are raised the, the what is the Iliad about? <laughs> so what you know, it's uh, because if we look at the Iliad in um, in terms of uh, if we like, we were talking about unity, so um, th- the action of the Iliad in terms of how many actions uh, are there in the Iliad? So we have. We, we, we get to a point in which is, I would say, clear that in terms of number of action, we have one action that it's, it's possible to interpret as we, double or uh, ambiguous, as you said. So unity does not exclude, unity um, in terms of number of actions does not exclude ambiguity. So the action of Achilles uh, and his killing of Hector when he goes back to fight after uh, the uh, after the uh, Patroclus—that uh, is um, uh, an action that we can look at from the perspective, of, from the point of view of Achilles that wants to. Um, uh, have his revenge on Actor, but also it's clear uh, if we um, see how the poem is um, um, organized that uh, we we know that the Iliad does not uh, the, 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 the 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 does not end with the um, with the um, fall of Troy, but it's clear that the the, the death of Actor in a way. Uh, um, it's an, a sort of anticipation of the of the end of the of the city. So uh, this final duel, uh, the, the, this uh, fight between Achilles and Hector, means more than it means in a way for uh, Achilles, um, for the the war between the, the Greek and the Trojans. So this um, this the fact that we have one action that means more than one action in a way that is ambiguous, um, came up uh, as a a problem in the 16th century. um, Because... uh, there was a debate about the, the the meaning of the Iliad and what the Iliad was about. And what I would say here, it's important in terms of method for me to um, see that, um, uh, and and uh, I think in, in in my book sometimes uh, um, this comes up. Um, the theory of the epic is. Um, Yet to be written in a way, because in in the sixteenth century, um, the this ambiguity of the action was not theorized. Directly, we can um, see that we can observe that um, in a, in in a way between the lines. So uh, there was a debate: uh, is that um, ab- about the, m- the meaning of the action of the Iliad, but not a theory of an action that is one but is ambiguous at the same time. That theory um, is. For, for uh, as, as I would say, especially because of the opposition between the epic and the romance in the 16th century and then the epic and the novel later on, it was never fully, um, in a way, developed. So um, it's it something that is clearly there if we look closely at the at the debate uh, on the meaning of the action of the Iliad um, and and so on but it was not um, it was not theorized uh, back then and I think uh, it is possible way anyway, for us now to um, to to um, to, to write in a way to think of a new theory of the epic that um, gives the gives importance gives um, so um, that relies in a way on this um, new concept of the action as one in terms of number but ambiguous in terms of meanings that the this the, this action uh, can have so um, yeah here is it's it's a i would say a problem of, of perspectives um we have to look back um, at, at at the debate of 16th century um, to uh, historicize our reading and and to in a way to prove that what we are what we think of a certain um aspect of the poem, like the, the meanings of the action is not uh, uh, just in our words, but we it, the, the difference between our words and their words imply that um, we should not not look for um, uh, a theory, a consistent theory, but in a way, uh, traces of a theory that um, has, has to be... Uh, has yet to be de- developed in a way and 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 written, I would say.
0: I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals Slash NBN fifty to get fifty percent off. Hmm. that's
1: that's really fascinating. And in, in terms of a little bit of what we were saying earlier, um, I think even you had said that the the genre romance in the sixteenth century became very quickly synonymous just with Ariosto's poem. And so, so I like this 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 invitation that you're asking us to think about of of almost broadening our horizon and making it really a question as you say of perspective um, the 16th century this this just seems so consumed with the question of who is the better poet, who was the better poem and of course Tasso had a lot to say about that um, in claiming that what yeah, was nothing other than the than the person who picked up where Boyardo left off to write one long poem and of course you know we know that to be problematic so um, let's turn to Tasso and 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 think about um, some of the different lens through which your book, portrays him as the author but especially as the reader of his own work and of course then the literary critic of not only himself but of all these debates that um he inherited he did not live in that happy uh that happy bubble of of that, that Ariosto lived in um he, he's really in the thick of it and um so, uh, so our conversation has traced this, these different moments, really from antiquity through 16th century Italy, when these different theories of epic, or, or attempted theories of epic, as it sounds like you're saying too, prompted these different ways of thinking about comparisons and hierarchies and, and moments of redefinition that bring us to ambiguity. And all of this material reached Tasso in the decades that he thought, I will write an epic poem. <laughs> um, and it's something that really was a nearly impossible feat for someone um, to have inherited an entire repertoire of theories that makes um, that makes writing epic quite a tall order. Um, as, as we said, you know, a few minutes ago, that's this is all the more difficult because of the success of Ariosto's poem and also the, the lack of success of his own father's poem. Um, so we can talk about that a little bit now. Um, as we as we consider, as I said, you know this this role of Tasso as a reader, and this is something that, in my own fascination of Tasso, uh, who wrote more than anyone else I know or I've ever read, um, I think he probably read more than anyone else. Uh, we probably study, and so much of the theory of epic or these attempted theories of epic concern the role of the author. Um, how do you, either either through working on this book or just in in your work in general, how do you think um, that these attempts at genre theories redirect focus on the reader. Um, And especially where, where does Tasso fit into that, who was such an avid reader of his own works?
2: Yeah, uh, so uh, I see and, um, so many questions in yeah. in, in this in, in this question because first of all, uh, Tasso, as a reader of, for example, as a reader of Ariosto, and, and as you you mentioned in the first part of your question, the fact that he in um, um, and. I, I was um, um, saying earlier of the so-called happy ignorance of Ariosto that wrote his poem uh, at a time in which uh, the Aristotle, Aristotle's Poetics was not yet um, had, had not yet been uh, rediscovered. Uh, for Ariosto, uh, for, for Tasso, this was very uh, different. This was not the case. Uh, so he, he wrote at the time, and he started. His career as a poet, uh, when uh, he had to deal with uh, the success of the Orlando Furioso, and that he um, had to uh, recognize in a way to acknowledge, um, and and uh, but uh, he wanted to reconcile in a way the the, the success of the Orlando Furioso that was a book and a poem that. Um, everybody apparently liked, and uh, most people liked it. it was a, a, a bestseller, and the theory of Aristotle's Poetics. In the first move that uh, we have to uh, um, focus on here is the fact that um, uh, in terms of theory that Tasso um, wrote before writing the uh, Jerusalem Liberata He did not acknowledge a difference uh, of genre between the uh, romanzo, so the Orlando Furioso, and the epic. He thought it was, um, along with other uh, poets, that had uh, shared with him the same theory but was less, in a way, um, less creative in, in using it. He was able... To um, uh, to argue that the um, epic and romance, uh, so Orlando Furioso and just to mention another point, the Iliad or the Aeneid was all were all part of the, sh- the same genre, in order to create uh, a theory that allowed him to include in his epic poem that uh, uh, he started to. Uh, right when he was very young, um, um, uh, could uh, fit both uh, features and uh, characteristics of the romance, uh, the, the romance and 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 the epic. So this is the the, the, the first part of his um, uh, career. Then you mentioned. Uh, the importance of Tasso as a reader, and if I understood correctly your question, also as a reader of his own works, of his own poems, right? So, yeah, this is a very important question. I I know that for you and for me, too, uh, in in, in the book, um, I... I, I have a chapter on the a long chapter on the Jerusalem liberata and his revision and uh, at the very end of the Jerusalem conquistata but also I have a um a part of a chapter dedicated to the 16th century theories to the theory uh, the tasso uh, to to tasso's theory of the discourses of the art of poetry the discourse' poetica and uh, this brings me to the uh the the relationship between Tasso as a theorist and Tasso as a poet on the one hand, and Tasso as a poet and Tasso as a reader of his own poem on the other end and uh it's important for me to um and it has been important in writing the and thinking and 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 then writing the book to think of Tasso as a reader. From a privileged in a way point of view, for sure, but not um, as uh, not so privileged that we follow, in a way, uh, his theory and his reading of the poem to make sense of the Liberata, because um, not not for the way romantic. Reason that we, we could say the, a poem is not a, a poet is not completely aware of what he is doing when a, a poem a poet like Tasso when he writes the poem not 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 so much for that but for the reason that um, it, it, the, the theory of Tasso um, is part of a context uh, in which uh, is 16th century Italy in which any theory uh was written and was part of debates uh disputes and uh f- even fights between different theories so it's very hard to um, to to understand when tasso um writes something that he really believes in or he writes something that he wanted to um to 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 say in order to um in a way to be part of this this debate and and so it's um it's um, for me um it's important in a way to um consider the Jerusalem liberata and the theory of Tasso. Uh, and the, so uh, tasso as a reader um together in a way but not uh, not as a, a privileged not a, a we should not look at tassel as a reader as the best reader in a way of this poem um, um, it's,
1: of course, the the, the romantics uh, uh, yeah. are this into as a as a paranoid reader of his own of his yeah, own poem. Yeah.
2: No, the, yeah. yeah, even in some cases, looking at the, the I would say the letter poetica, So the letters that he, he, he exchanged with um, those were uh, in charge of, of the revision of the poem that he wanted to do. Uh, the letter poetica, is it it can. It may seem a paranoid reader, uh, but the the reason is that, in in many cases, is that it it tries to, uh, in some cases, to protect episodes of the poem that he wanted to uh, include. But uh, in some other cases, uh, it it seems that uh, he was not entirely convinced of his own poem. So there there are many... I think uh, one of the scholars that we... Both admire uh, Walter Stevens wrote an essay uh, a few uh, um, years ago um, called um, "Tasso, Poet of Doubt," and uh, it's true. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's it's just you know, uh, um, a, 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 the title of an essay. It, it, it wouldn't work for all the episodes of the Liberata, of the episode of, of the all the the possible uh, cases that we can take into account, but I think it's uh, a good definition. So uh, a doubt that Tasso had, and a doubt I think methodologically speaking that we should have, using his theories and his readings of the poem in order to make sense of the José Amélie Barat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, and I'm thinking about Tasso as a reader and thus editor and, and so much of a self-censor. Um, you know, doubt definitely surfaces as, as one of these threads of continuity. But then also in your final chapter, which I just loved reading and love rereading of these close readings that are so carefully traced of the Liberata, um, and in some ways, you know, he, he surfaces also as a poet of conviction in the fact that Armida and Rinaldo do get their love story. Um, so, so as a segue into that, I, I want to think about... Um, when I was reading your close readings, what the two two things came to mind. On the one hand, there was this theme of the possibility of access that Tasso creates for his readers to enjoy uh, a portal into, let's say, of uh, into the minds and the, the motivations that individual characters reveal to themselves, to the po- to the narrator and to the reader, but not to other characters. And that how this possibility of access, in some ways creates friction against the impossibility then for others within the poem to have to be to be privy to that same perspective and i love the the emphasis throughout your multiple course readings on this question of of privilege in perspective and among the different favorite characters that you trace in the poem are sofronia and Elinda, olindo tancredi armida and rinaldo um And here again, as I was reading that part of the book, it brought me back to this question about ambiguity and this characteristic in the poem that emerges arguably more through a practice of reading than through writing, precisely in how you frame it as this tension in perspectives. Ambiguity surfaces through a reader's experience of a poem. Um, So given this this sort of special privilege that Tasso gives his readers, a perspective into elements of a character's development that are denied um, a revelation to, to others, what is there to say, do you think about the poet's desire for unity working alongside or against the reader's experience of ambiguity? Um, and of course, feel free to, to dive into any of the close readings that, that, that you'd like, bring us back to any of those really brilliant things that you mentioned in, in, the, in the chapter. But I just love to hear your thoughts about, about where the reader Desires ambiguity or desires unity in moments that they are thrust up against this this experience of of, of ambiguity.
2: Yes, first of all, I like the the the, the fact that you said uh, Tasso uh, is even a poet of conviction. Looking at the, the the final reconciliation between Armida and Rinaldo, the, the fact that uh, and and I like to start. Um, from that and um, from the, the the episode at the very end of the Jerusalem Liberata, in which we have um, Rinaldo and, uh, and Armida. Uh, back together after this, so at the, the the poem is in in twenty um, cantos, and at the at the very end of the mm, canto twenty, when uh, Jerusalem is um, is is delivered, um, Rinaldo goes back to uh, Armida, and they are reconciled after the separation that happened uh, that had happened in canto sixteen. And um, I'd like to use the, your term uh, your term conviction because uh, one of the uh, goal of my uh, goals of my reading is to show how this Final episode that, according to uh, studies uh, made by uh, philologists in Italy, um, uh, should not have been in the in the final version of the poem. Um, we know that the Liberata was uh, published when um, Tasso and um, lost control on the on the text and on the poem. So, um, according to philologists, the final episode should not be. Um, um, and, and Mostly um, um, studies done by uh, Luigi Poma, the, the final episodes should not be part of the poem. But actually, if you if we look closely at the uh, the of, uh, at what happened between Canto 16, the moment in which uh, Rinaldo leaves and there is the separation between Armida, and Rinaldo, and Canto 20, there is a sort of secret. Lot that um, it keeps, in a way, together the two characters because, because, uh, mm, and and here it's important to uh, refer to what you were saying and, and in 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 your uh, in your in the introduction to your question. So the fact that um, we as readers know something more than the characters know about. Uh, each other. So uh, we know uh, that uh, Armida, Armida's love for Ronaldo, for example, is not entirely over uh and and uh and uh we know something about rinaldo that armida cannot know and and some and now i don't want to uh summarize in too many details my readings but that's the exactly methodologically speaking that's the uh, way in which i try to show that the uh, that there is the secret connection uh that keeps in a way rinaldo and armida together even when they are apart until the end of the poem in which they Eventually go back together, and there is this final reconciliation. And the same method, uh, the same methodology, for me is important in another uh, um, of the uh, episodes that I um, that I read uh, closely. Um, the 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 episode in Canto Two uh, with uh, Olindo and Sophronia, um, which is another very debated um, episode uh, in the Lettere poetiche that I mentioned earlier, Tasso himself uh, seemed to be n- not entirely convinced uh, about this episode, They said, mm, I, "I'm not sure it's not connected enough to the rest of the uh, of uh, of the plot. Is uh, I'm, I'm not sure I should keep it or I, I should uh, remove it and take it out. Um, and this is one of the cases in which we uh, I think we should not trust entirely Tasso's reading of the poem uh, because it, it it might not." Have been uh, even able because um, the importance for him of um, uh, Aristotelian theories of uh, see uh, the 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 kind of connection uh, that this uh, very important episode that happens uh, toward the beginning of the poem had to the rest of the plot. So uh, in in that case too, I tried to analyze the. Uh, actions of uh, 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 olinda and Sophronia, looking at the w- at what we know as readers as opposed to what characters Olinda and Sophronia, but also other characters encounter to you know uh of each other so um and 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 this go back uh, when um the it, in your question, you mentioned the title of the book. In a way, the desire for unity, this is the desiderio di unità, uh, and um, for me, uh, this title refers especially to the the idea that unity of action in the epic is mostly a desire for unity, than uh, a, a unity that is fully achieved. So um, uh, it's um, it's important here to see that for example the, the action that um uh, Olindo and sophronia um, uh, the, 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 the what what they achieve with their different actions is um in way the same thing so the 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 uh, for sophronia uh wants to uh, avoid uh, the um, the fact that uh, Aladino, the Christ, uh, the um, king of the Muslim, um, takes revenge on the, on the, on the Christian because of a, of an episode that happened at the beginning of, of Canto Cantor Two, while Olindo. Uh, um, Olinda's sacrifice is motivated by very different reasons and its love for uh, Sophronia. But uh, if we look at the motivation of the character, at uh, the two motivations, the action is very different. If we look at the effect, the, as- the action is the same, the same kind of action. So it's important to look at the action from many different perspectives and uh, be able to see ambiguity into one in a way as, a, as I was saying uh, earlier and um, keep together and you know, with the the unity this case of action and this um, a, the unity and desire for unity meaning that there's something lacking okay it's it, it's it's not entirely uh, it's not a unity that is entirely achieved um, but uh, it's for sure, I think the uh, the desire for unity is part of the experience that readers uh, have and make throughout the reading of, of the poem. I think this is... The, um, uh,
1: would... That's it. It's such a connective tissue too that that connects the Sophronian Olindo episode, the Tancredi um, episode with with the phantoms of Clorinda, and um, and that lingers all the way really through Armira Minaldo. And um, I love the 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 idea that Tasso imbues this poem with secrets um, as much as Tasso loves to inundate his readers with these guides and these 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 ways of decoding who was the head and who was the arm and. What is it, what does really signify? What's the allegory of everything? But ultimately, when we read the poem, we discover these, these um things unleft set left unsaid but said at the same time, if that makes sense. Um which 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 makes me think really about the the future readers then of this poem. And I always like to end these conversations by by thinking about the next generation of people who will be experiencing Tasso, his desire for unity, his ambiguities, and really his, his fantastic poem. And, and so I want to ask you a question about your students. And I imagine that um, in Parma and elsewhere you've been able to share this research in the classroom. And I'm curious with how your students have reacted to this new reading of Tasso. Um, You you know, universities in Italy are much more hospitable to Tasso's name as something of a household name where that's not always the case here in the States. Um, So I'm just curious how your students, either those who picked up the Liberata on a whim kind of like you did just to experience the poem or those who had read him before, maybe reading him for the first time with you, how are they engaging with um, this kind of exciting new new direction that you're really offering for Tasso studies that moves beyond some of the um, traditional ways of of reading the poem and and how are how are they how are they liking it?
2: Okay, yeah, th- thank you. It's a it's a great question uh, about um, um, students and teaching and uh, and about also with mm-hmm. my experience of coming back to Italy after. Um, many years in the US and teaching in both in the US and in Italy um, these um, these topics. Uh, actually, uh, I just uh, finished teaching a course in uh, uh, called Literatura Italiana del Rinascimento, so Italian Literature of the Renaissance, and the limit or not, I decided not to read Gerusalemme uh, Liberata, but, uh, but I, I wanted to focus on tragedy this year uh, and I, um, as you mentioned, that last year I Published um, a book on tragedy too, and and we read Tasso, but not the Jerusalem Liberata. We had the uh, Mondo, uh, along with other tragedies. Uh, what I did with the Jerusalem Liberata is uh, really something that I had already done uh, in in the U.S. So working on uh, episodes of the Jerusalem Liberata, starting. Um, with um, uh, paintings mostly, uh, I, I taught a course um, in the fall uh, in English to to students uh, in, in in Parma who want to be uh, in the future um, teachers of Italian for foreign learners in Italy or, or teacher of Italian ab- abroad, and we worked on selected episodes, uh, for example, the 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 episode in Canto 16 of rinaldo and armida on the uh, isle of, of fortune um, working on p- um, paintings like the famous painting by annibale caracci and uh, it's it, it here it's I'm, I'm bringing back to italy uh, something that i i did um, in the in the us uh, and um, uh, so i worked um, with Images and texts together, uh, in order to uh, be able to present in a very, uh, like very quickly, I would say, even without reading the whole poem, some of the key questions for our reading. For example, we were talking about different genres related to Giuseppe Liberata, and you can really do that um, uh, by working. With a painting like uh, the uh, uh, Annibale, Cara- Annibale Caracci's paintings of uh, Rinaldo in, in, in Armida, um, and so this is the way um, I worked so far. I plan uh, I'm planning to um, to dedicate my course in uh, Italian uh, literature of the Renaissance in 2024 to the to a close reading of the Jerusalem di barata and, uh, and so uh, and, and next year probably I'll be able to 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 answer your question about the poem, but but definitely. These um, these selected episodes, these classes that I taught on, on the Giorgio Armani have been a, a first opportunity for me to uh, to share with my students uh, some of of, of 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 my readings of the the Armida episode, the Olinda Sophronia. and. Um, uh I, I think it's hard for me to answer because i i don't want to say they were convinced <laughs> but uh, uh, in a way they had to <laughs> but um, uh no, it it uh, for sure um what i could could see in class that this is a poem that um as that still resonates i would think with students and and even if uh, you know you, you said uh, him, uh, that um uh, Italy is more hospitable to Tasso. Yes, it's true, but for some reasons, uh, I think at high school, for example, it's a kind of some of some episodes of the Liberata are part of the so mandatory readings, but less uh, it it is less the case now than it was in the past. I think that the you cannot assume that students know even very uh, the the most important episodes of the poem. So it's not that different. And actually, for me, it's very important to be able to, uh, I was mentioning the, the example of working with images and text together, to be able to teach um, Tasso, but this is this applies for, for Ariosa to and other uh, poems um, to Italian students, in a way, in the same way I taught uh, in in the in the U.S. So it's um, probably because it was a very important, and it still is a very important part of my uh, experience and my, the way I think myself as a teacher. But I, I, this in in a way, when I am in class, I feel I am both. Here and there, in a way. <laughs> so, um, uh, you
1: and I are, are are kindred scholastic spirits in that way. Um, I I got to I got to Tasso through an intermediate way. Um, you know, I, I I first came across Tasso's name in in the opera repertoire, learning who this figure Armida is and why she's so popular, and then working my really backwards um, to the poem and and now appreciating Tasso and his really the inspiration. I th- I think it's fantastic that you're bringing in paintings and and those are those are digestible bits, even if you don't. You know, syllabi can sometimes be so restrictive, and not being able to read the whole poem. Though I'm glad that you'll be able to do that in 2024. But um, paintings are fantastic ways to get also, also also an image of 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 another kind of reader and another kind of translation taking place. Um, that's all fantastic. So I so. I, we have to just mention before I ask you what you're doing next, because you're so productive and you're so inspirational. Just like also, um, I just want to say that the bibliography that you put into this book is a mine of 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 just opportunities for further for further reading, but organized in so many lights that I think literally anyone who's interested in classical literature, in the resurrection of Aristotle, in epic theory, in you know the Theorization of the novel in Tulsa studies and Renaissance literature, in Renaissance criticism. Um, the way you've organized it, I think, is is really really fantastic for for it to be for it to be used. It's very user friendly.
2: <laughs> thank you, thank um, you. The, yeah, it's it was important for me um, to uh, to think of how um, I think of how it would possible to organize a bibliography that really refers to what in Italy are different. Disciplines like uh, literary theory, comparative literature, classics, and Italian. So it, it's hard to uh, th- like. I am um, in uh, Italian literature, and uh, usually, um, I like uh, in if you take a course in in uh, the, the kinds of course that I teach. Um, you should not read about, for example, Ego or or Virgil, just to mention two examples. But for me, it was really important to work in a way between the lines and so uh, I, I mentioned Hegel at the, at, the, at, the, at the very end of our, of our conversation but really I, I spent um, a long time uh, thinking of uh, the theories of the action in Hegel, uh, even the uh, reception of the philosophy of Hegel in the US and the way in which the the what Hegel said about the action uh, can could could and can be used to theorize the epic anew so uh, it was important at the end of the this uh, project to uh, organize the bibliography you know it reflected the way in which uh, i had think uh, i had thought of the book in the process of uh, writing so yeah. Mm. So, you. so is
1: Cable gonna be part of the the next project that you're working on, or or what 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 comes after Tasso? Uh,
2: after Tasso, yeah, good question. So, uh, the the my like next. project at yeah, point. But my, for now, <laughs> my, my next project uh, is with the the. Um, I've been asked. To write a book on the history of the theories of epic, uh, and I will do that by expanding the first part of the book, the first three chapters, and I will include the in the theories of epic in uh, 17th century France, for example, and then uh, I will expand to uh, Germany, uh, going back in a way to Agel but but um, for. In a uh, chronological, um, uh, here, already here in the book, there is a chronological um, uh, sequence, uh, Aristotle, 16th century, and then Ege, and Bakhtin, but really what interests, uh, interests me uh, in Toquato Tasso and Desiderio Unità was uh, the theories so the focus on uh three important moments of this history of the theories of epic in terms of theorization of the unity the next book would would be really a i would say a more descriptive history of the theories of epic and I should be doing that by the end of next year so uh, this is the the next project and then in the future on the long term but this is really uh open and i'm not sure when i would be able to do that i would like to uh write um, a theory of epic in a way like the, the a model for me has been uh, d- during the the writing of the book um a, um a book that came out in italy in italian in um, in 2011 so at the beginning in a way of, of, of my uh work on on, toquato, on what has become Tasso, and a book that then was translated into English, uh, Theoria del Romanzo by Guido Mazzoni, uh, Theory of the Novel, uh, published in English by Harvard University Press. If I'm not wrong, it was 2018, I think. And uh, and that is the, the but again, I, now I've said that and so in a way I I have to at least try to do that but it's really uh, a long uh, it's a long term project so uh, the next step is I hope more doable uh, history of theories of the epic
1: that's fantastic (laughs) well you know if if Tasso teaches his readers anything it's that if we stick with something long enough it will in fact get written (laughs) Uh, yeah that's that's true
2: true. true. (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Corrado. Um, it's such a delight to be able to talk about uh, about Tasso with you, Turquato um, TASO e Desiderio di Unità. I so appreciate our conversation and um, thank you so much for this. This has been wonderful.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Kate, for having me. It was a pleasure and I hope we'll meet again soon and talk about TASO as, as always, I would say. As <laughs>
1: of course. <laughs> thank you.
2: Thank you.